welcome, welcome. PAX Unplugged day three. Oh, day three. You've survived. I hope so. <laughs> I'm sitting down with Alicia Filiolo. Yeah, you did it. Hey, I did it. Yeah, Yay. Um, from Geek Therapeutics. And we're just kind of talking a little bit about, actually, can you tell us a little bit about your experience here at PAX Unplugged first? Like, how's it been going? Uh, it's crazy this year. I mean, I'm not sure if there's more people or if it's because it's the first unmasked PAX Unplugged in the last couple of years. Uh, I've spoken more, I believe, in the last three days than I did maybe all of the last two conventions in total. And I think that's probably because people feel a lot more comfortable having a conversation because they're not screaming. Because with the mask, it buffers so much of the conversation and some people rely on seeing your mouth. So I think that there's been a new, not new, but going back to a week, you know, air quote normal. Um, and I feel like I've spoken to a lot more people and it's been extremely engaging. But every year it's engaging. It's just this year feels different. I don't know why. It's just I'm exhausted. I thought yesterday was Friday. I thought today was Tuesday, you know, like it's Sunday. Um, but it's been going well. There's been so many amazing people. We've had hundreds of people who have followed us uh, for years come up and have conversations and uh, I'm the director of education and training which is publicly new for the world over the last year and like three months so it's different now having conversations with people from an evidence-based perspective and sharing what that looks like through the process of this company and so it's been really different it's been exciting I've only touched money once so that's really nice uh, but I've been talking a lot, and so um, sorry for listeners that I sound like a frog who smoked like 10 packs of cigarettes and might sound like a 12-year-old going through puberty, so bear with us. It happens, and you also hosted uh, the <sighs> game night last night. So. Yo, trivia, if you were here in the audience, every year I put my foot in my mouth, whether it's guided by a practitioner or it is guided by myself, and last year it was about Batman, and this year it is about my dear friend Jay Foster, who is not from Great Britain. He is from Wales. And well, if you were here, you know, that was fun. <laughs> Trivia was great though. The families were awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. I got to attend, so it was, it was really cool. Thank you for coming. That means a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I did have some like qualms with some of the answers that uh, the viewers provided. Yeah. So just backstory, there were, they were doing Family Feud and um, talking about oh the vampire one was really hard so like they it was just like what tabletop role-playing games feature vampires and vampire the masquerade was like number two i think mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was about the extent of what i knew and buffy wasn't on there which blew my mind yeah so i was shocked we had taken a poll for months we had taken a poll for months and so many answers had come in. And the way Family Feud works is you're only allowed to ask 100 people. You pull 100 people, that's what Steve Harvey says. And I was all, I don't have 100 people in my life. And we're geeks and nerds, there's millions of us. So we put it to the public opinion. And I got even, there were more wild responses than the eight on the board. And they were all over the place. Buffy was not on there. And if Buffy was, it was had one response. So we tried to keep them above three mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. answers for points. And all of them were weird. There was a really weird, um, it was Curse of Strahd was first, Vampire the Masquerade was second, and She is the Ancient was third. But She is the Ancient is a Curse of Strahd 
revisionist rewrite and i was all well they had the most points what do i do and i didn't know i didn't know any of the a lot of those things i didn't know either so it was really awful yeah yeah i was like okay well those are answers yeah <laughs> i feel like i had that happen a lot of times even like the random stuff that that came up just like what's in your closet it's like comes out on special occasion like that was the most bizarre question too and the things that were there were wild and so but when you when you open yourself up to the community and you ask them what they would like to see these people ask i think it also comes with a bit of what can we make them feel uncomfortable with what can we make them feel awkward about? What can we make them giggle at? Because some there were hundreds of questions. I think when you open yourself up to the public, you get a sense of connection. And people knew that Jay and Danny were the team leads. And I think questions come from knowing who the team leads are because they want to see how they react. And I, I love it. We got three of them and found some answers and it was bad. Like people didn't, continuously stick to the theme of retro gaming because that's the theme of PAX this year. It's a callback to the 80s. So there were things in there that were not retro. There were things in there that were not old. But what do you do when you're trying to find these numbers that can give more than one or two points? And so it was a lot of fun. It was wild. And I'm really glad that you hung out and stayed. Um, and I, I just love it. I think that's a really great way to bring the intersection of gaming and mental wellness and asking really hard, intimate questions of people in a space that many wouldn't think you could find in trivia. So yeah. it was well, a lot of fun. And I think that that's a good good thing to bring up right now is like, that's it was a family feud night and supposed to be fun. And like, we definitely had laughs, right? But it was also a space where people could ask like more in-depth mental health questions or kind of take a mental health focus on the questions that they wanted to ask um, by design and kind of put that out there. And so for people who don't like know what geek therapeutics is or don't understand like the, that side of the role playing community, can you kind of give like a brief rundown of what you all do or like what that night last night was de uh, dedicated for? Yeah, that's a great question. And I can absolutely do that. So Geek Therapeutics is a continuing education agency where we provide continuing ed in a postdoctoral lens through geek and pop culture. So really anything that you can put on a t-shirt, things you see at theme parks or your favorite movies, comic books, video games, anything that has a pop culture marker, we could say, on it, we have a way to provide training through evidence-based modalities. And we train clinicians, we train all types of other mental health professionals, we train mental health advocates on how to be more mindful in gaming, to be more aware of approaches and mental wellness. And for those who are not clinical, and then for clinical individuals, we have a really solid track on using evidence-based theory in the, the, the space of geekdom. Because a lot of people don't want to go to therapy and they don't want to talk about things with people who don't understand why they're wearing a Minecraft shirt when they're 35 years old or why they are so connected to the TV series Bluey as an adult without children. And so we, we create those cultural competencies. We provide education for those and we're um, sponsored for continuing ed by all of the major licensing boards in the United States. And last night is really impactful because we've done it eight years in a row across all of the PAX Unplugged shows. I'm sorry, the PAX shows. 
And it's a night where we get to give really unbridled attention to what the audience and the people here at the show want to know about their favorite social media influencers and how they combat mental health or how they combat things in their profession. And you don't get that at this show. This show does not allow you to have those moments of true vulnerability. And it's something that I strive to provide at every show because I think it's so important to know that people like Jay Foster, who is known as the Swole Initiative on all platforms, struggles with stuff that you struggle with. You can ask him a question and if he's had a, a personal impact, by that, he gets to share that with you. And we get to create this space of vulnerability. And it's extremely, it's so amazing to see just random con goers looking at people with a, a large following talk about the things that move them, that cause fear for them, that bring them to a space of intersection of what do I do now? And I, I mean, I could go on and on. I just really love what Geek Endangerment does at Trivia Night here at all the PAXs, but especially PAX Unplugged because we're in a, a different space when you're just talking about tabletop and between board games and TTRPGs, uh, the table is really beautiful and creates a different space. Yeah, Jay had a really cool moment last night in that he got asked a question about like bleed out, right? And yeah. When he had experienced bleed out or how he had like experienced that in his own games um, and just the the answer that he gave was really cool and and kind of seeing you know it's not just every like everyone has an experience like that no matter if you are a no name on the gaming realm or if you are just average attendee um he was talking about if i'm remembering right just like having a character come to realize that they were uh they didn't have to be everything for everyone and how that triggered an emotional response where he was literally in tears at the table. And I think that that is so relatable to everyone that's played a game. Like at some point in time, you just get really connected to a character and experience that bleed out. Yeah, I'm like tearing up. Um, that question was so impactful because the human who asked it, his mother-in-law had died. And when do you ever see somebody talk about their mother-in-law? other than another parent, right? And so it's normally our mom, our dad, our stepmom, our stepdad, grandma, grandpa. But this individual, Jay, was really kind of stumped. And the individual said, I'll give you an example. I lost my mother-in-law, and while I was playing uh, cyberpunk, it helped me process those feelings. And I almost lost it on stage. And I thought, how beautiful that this person is asking a question that is really regarding an intimate moment that he experienced through a game with about his mother-in-law and that was just one beautiful and then jay really took the time to think about an impact that he had had with a character and i think we all feel those but sometimes it's hard to conceptualize and verbalize what that means to us and it was just done it was answered so beautifully and i'm so glad that someone was brave enough to go there and ask a question that it could go so many ways. And I think the answer that Jay gave was beautiful. Yeah, no, I think that that was an excellent example of bleed out and kind of like how games impact us beyond just the characters that exist and the stories don't necessarily just stay stories on a piece of paper. They are things that you take and you learn from and you grow from 
um, and you have those experiences. And I think that that's one of the reasons, and I know you're super passionate about this, but one of the reasons why it's so important to think about player safety and the impact that these games can have on players as they sit down and they participate in those games. So I know that this is a passion project of yours, but yeah. like, talk with us about player safety and your viewpoints on bringing player safety into the table. Yeah, so um, it's very well known that I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran and I suffered a brain injury. You can Google my name and I'm like the first 10 O's of Google. And it, it's all really about my brain injury and the processes I went through to be able to be who I am today and being told I would never be normal, quote unquote, normal again. And TTRPG saved my life. And so I'm passionate about player safety because I have proof that D&D specifically and learning the mechanics and understanding D&D is what allowed my brain to create new neural synapses. And I, I have imaging, I have results, I have hundreds of hours of occupational therapy, speech therapy, and uh, neurological um, psych evaluations saying that I would never be able to publicly speak again. And that was hard for me. So when D&D fell in my lap, I don't have a lot of memories of the first couple months of it, but it began to fire things. And thankfully I was playing with my wife and one of my best friends. <clears throat> and when I was able to start making memories, I realized really quickly that, man, I don't remember six months of this. That's very scary. And I don't know what happened, but I know that it helped me. And when, before I came to Geek Therapeutics, I was meddling through a program and creating a program through acceptance commitment therapy and resiliency, because we use it for veterans all day long. And I thought, if TTRPGs could change my life, could TTRPGs change other people's lives? But how do we do that with a standard that puts safety of the player and safety of the dungeon master or game master at the forefront of everything that is done before it even starts? And that... I didn't know anybody in the TTRPG community. It was just me and some research, and my own gaming experience. And I found that the biggest thing to create that foundation is finding consent and creating this idea of a session zero. And I, I didn't know, I didn't listen to a lot of live action play. Um, I actually, it took me almost two full play uh, listens of the adventure zone to actually have it sit in my brain and I had to listen to the episodes over and over again because I had no memory so I didn't know a lot of like what session zero meant I didn't even know there was a thing that was established as a session zero but I had created this idea in my head and on paper that you had to establish a communal goal and rule set to be able to keep players safe in whatever was going on in the game and that just because I come to sit at your table doesn't mean I want to be violated or dealing with sexual harassment in game or having to deal with verbal and physical harassment in game as a character because I would never deal with that in real life. So I started going through these processes of how do you build that and I found that when you gave people the ability to have agency and autonomy and then be able to self-advocate and learn how to self-advocate for themselves before the game ever starts you start to find the expectation of what the table was gonna be like. And you started finding the expectation of the players around you and the expectation of the game master. And it just kind of swam down river from there. And I found Geek Therapeutics and was like, wow, like people are really doing the thing that I've been doing for a year and a half. And player agency and safety 
was always at the, the beginning of where I was playing these games. And Geek Therapeutics and other places were really good about trying to teach that. And I talk about it all the time. Safety is imperative in the real world. Why is it not as important in a game world? And we need to be better about it because we're still failing. Right, absolutely. Well, and I think sometimes we get we run into people that feel that like the safety aspects of it might take away from the game in some way or like limit their role play ability. Um, what would you say to those people? I would tell them they're wrong. I actually do it probably daily. I get two or three messages or posts on Instagram or comments on Facebook that say, this is ridiculous. You don't need safety. Like, you're just saying that I can't do A, B, and C, but when you come to my table, I get to be a hobgoblin and I get to be a murder hobo and I get to put you through whatever I want because you're at my game. No, you're wrong. That's abuse. That's wrong, 100%. And I will say it over and over and over again. That is wrong. And then people look at me and say, you're just a stupid woman. Okay, now let's really find out where we're going because that's where this intersection of crap is in this gaming space. We don't look at people as equal and we don't look at people as needing safety as a foundation of who we are. Safety is a, oh, you're just trying to railroad my games. And that's wrong and we need to reframe that. And it's hard. It is really hard to get people to reframe it, but luckily here at PAX, there's an amazing coalition of people who are trying to change that conversation. And I hope that we continue to have it, but I also hope that we don't have to continue to have it. Like this should be the standard, but there's been over 50 years, well, 50 years now, of historical TTRPG toxicity. And it has to change, and it really changes with safety. And we have to have more safety tools. And we create. I created a set of safety tools in 2019, regard like looking at how you can interact with safety and use it in a space that people make sense of it. And a lot of people don't understand the X card. Some people it's easy. Others it's not as easy because they don't need just a visual. They also need a verbal, or maybe they don't want to use verbal and use a visual. But then the visual has no cues on it. Uh, so I created a visual and verbal aid with pictures and words in a card, like a deck system, and it's like a VCR because I'm old and I wanted to like give some throwback to the good old days of VHS. And it's been wildly successful to give agency with these five little cards that each player gets, but then also giving agency and safety to the DM because we don't ever think about that either. How many session zeros does the DM actually fill out a consent form? And then the DM says, this is what I'm okay with from my players. Never, but I teach that it is important that the DM also has that autonomy and if you are being a jerk at the table or you're crossing boundaries that the DM also has, you don't get to do that. You don't get to put your DM through hell just because you want to create a wild story. We all have to be on the same page of safety. And it's a soapbox that I'm often on and people tell me, well, that's just taking away from my game. And it's not, it's enhancing your game. It's creating the space where people want to play more and they want to tell stories with you and they want to be collaborative. Because at the end of the day, a TTRPG is just a collaborative storytelling process. And it's a vehicle to expand your imagination and redefine play. Yeah. But redefining play is so much more than just coming to a table and playing. It's redefining how we interact with boundaries and self-advocacy and vulnerability. And the table is one of the most vulnerable places a person can find themselves. And your game master can hurt you or they can help you. And your fellow players can hurt you or they can stand next to you and fight with you. And if we don't have guidelines for that, 
you don't know what can happen. And teacher refugees can hurt people so deeply, just as much as they can heal people. Absolutely. And we have to figure that out. Yeah. I think Brennan Lee Mulligan had a really good quote around boundaries um, in one of the interviews he did uh, that I watched a little while ago, um, just talking about like how boundaries are how you invite people into your space. So like boundaries aren't me telling you to go away, they are inviting you to stay within my community. Mm -hmm. If I don't establish, like if I don't express my boundaries to you, I am telling you that I don't want you in my life because if I'm willing to have that conversation, then I'm giving you the roadmap to stay friends with me or to stay involved. And I think that that translates to the the same space of like tabletop safety, right? If you want to continue to have the group that you're playing with or to continue to be in that space and have, you know, a good friend group that is able to have fun together, you have to create those boundaries and let them like, let everyone know where they are because if you are getting hurt, it's not fun anymore. It's, it's not a place you want to be. It's not a place you want to exist in. Yeah. I am. Um, Man, so I don't have a lot of, I've worked in some of the most insane spaces. So Brennan is a big teacher RPG celebrity, right? And as humans, we have, some of us have the ability to have a platform and to speak on things that really need a highlight on them. And I think Brennan, if I could speak to anybody, Oh my gosh, I would want to pick his brain about safety and boundaries, not in gaming, but in his own life. And that is such an amazing quote that it shows that outside of the table, this person really is looking out for the betterment of not only himself and the safety for him, but for people at the table. And as you watch Brennan tell stories, it becomes even more clear that he has his players truly at the front of who he is, and every mo every moment, every move, every thing that comes out of his mouth feels to me as a direct representation of him keeping his family at the table safe. And I love that, and I wish we had more people in those spaces that aren't just in gaming, but in everyday life. And so I love that. He is one person that, man, I would love to speak with. Yeah. And, man, that's amazing. Oh. Well, I want to be really respectful of your time, and I know yeah. that there's a lot going on. I'm so, here for you, so. Yeah, if, uh, if there is anything that you would like to communicate to the, to the listeners like that we haven't talked about yet, feel free. Platform is open to you. Um, I think finding community in this space is beautiful, and I think teacher RPGs and board games in general have been a really great battleground. Uh, that's probably not the best word, but forgive me, I am a Marine, so it makes it a little bit easier for me to conceptualize, but having a space where you can find your chosen family is really beautiful, and some of the most amazing journeys have happened around TTRPGs and around geekdom, that this area, when you come to a convention, it's like you just found like 27,000 family members, and nobody here is judging you. And I find that to be one of the most beautiful things ever. We can all let our weird flags fly and you get to meet some of the most beautiful people. So if you've never made it to a convention and you have just a local silly little library convention that the library is putting on, go. See that there are people in your community that really are like you that they might not also be able to let their weirdness show. But go to the library. Every library these days is putting on a little Comic-Con. Go find out what it's like. 
go sit at the library and volunteer to play games. Bring a board game. Use your library space because libraries are so underutilized, but they're there for us to find community in literature, in gaming. If you are into ancestry, I think that is the most geekiest thing you could be into outside of final like uh, fantasy football. Go to the library because you will find people who are more like you than you can ever imagine. And remember that everybody has a, a geekdom. Everybody has a fandom. And people will say, I'm not geeky, I'm not nerdy. Like, I'm not one of those. Okay, what are you doing any given day during a sports season? Oh, you're playing fantasy football? Do you know how analytical that is? Do you know how geeky and nerdy that is? No, that's just football. Okay, but it is so geeky. You have to know all these stats. No, I'm not. Yes, it is. And then finally, you start to see that, wow, we're so much more alike than we are apart. And if we can just look at people for who they are and not judge them for the things they love, that makes the world so beautiful. And stop saying you have a guilty pleasure. Stop saying you have guilty pleasures. There's no reason to be guilty about watching the housewives of whatever city you watch it in or playing TTRPGs with your friends in your basement. Don't talk about being guilty that you're watching Naruto for 24 hours in a week. Don't be guilty that you binged a, a, a show that most people think is crazy. There are no guilty pleasures. There are things that bring us joy. There are things that allow us to escape. And there are things that allow us to look outside of the box and look at scripted television or reality television and then reflect on our own lives. And that is the most beautiful thing that we can do for ourselves and self-care. And I can pedestal and pedestal and pedestal, but your libraries are important. Everybody has a fandom and you don't need to have any guilt about anything that brings you joy. Yeah, I mean, there's a bucket. There's, there's hundreds of papers out there on like, Play is important, not just for kids. Yeah. Like, play is definitely important for kids, but it's also important for adults. So um, what, however you see that play is uh, always valid. Like, Absolutely. It's still you learning. It's still you growing. It's you self-care. It's you yeah. taking care of yourself so you can be there for your other people. There's and, research that states that those individuals who play throughout the lifespan are less likely <clears throat> to have conditions that create like new neural mappings or dis uh, dementia but we're only doing that with individuals who've already gotten like have been diagnosed with dementia and using music we could kind of curb that I'm not saying it's a cure and there is no cure right and it's just people writing papers and doing research but if you could be playing your whole life you are less likely to experience something that could be negative but we don't. We tell people to grow up at 12. Stop acting like a child. Yeah. And it's like, why? Play therapy should be allowed for the entire lifespan, not just for adolescence. Um, and so, please play. Yes. Get out and play. And yeah. on that note, what games are you playing right now? Oh, man. Um, I am in a live play podcast called For the Deconstructed. And it is a group of ex-evangelical millennials who are working through religious trauma through Beth the Bards. She is the ancient, the revisionist review and game of Curse of Strahd. And that's really my long game right now. It's been a lot of fun. And then I have been playing some silly games with my wife. We just played a game called Just One. You get a prompt and you have to give one clue and the person has to guess it. And if you get it, you get a point. If not, you lose two cards from the deck. And it's just a silly fun game that really allows your brain to start thinking about wordplay. And then um, there's a game called Photo Phantom, I think. And it's just a silly kids game. And it's really great to get the brain just moving in different directions. 
and having to look at visuals and comparisons, and it's just a really great cognitive game. Uh, and then I'm playing a lot of Disney's, or Ravensburger's, Disney, Lorcana, and that's pretty much makes up most of my days these days, is the podcast, some vampires, and playing some silly one-off games, but a lot, a lot, a lot of Lorcana. Which you got to pick up at con. Oh, I did, thank the gods, <laughs> I finally got it, so. Um, it's been really awesome. I have a really great shop in Virginia that has been really great to the community, ran by a veteran and really cares about community. So Lorcana has just been a really great way to make friends that are um, in the same mind space as you are. And so Lorcana has been a really awesome thing for my mental wealth and uh, my mental health and just self-care. So I've really loved it. If you haven't played it, listeners, try and find it. I know it's hard right now, but it's worth it. Awesome. Where can we find you? My name is very hard to spell. But you can find me on every social media outlet as Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A. My last name is Filiolo, F-I-G-L-I-U-O-L-O. And you can find me on your Netflix during Christmas time, um, on Nailed It. You can find me, yeah, I think think that's it. You can find me on Netflix, and you can find me on every social with my name. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to sit down and talk with me a little bit.